It is Thursday. It is time for Perspectives from WFSU Public Media. I'm Tom Flanagan. You are always welcome to be part of the conversation therein at 850-414-1234 or zip us an email, perspectives at wfsu.org. Well, yesterday, June 1st, Dozens of local government leaders and folks from human service, nonprofit organizations, lots of media types, too, jammed themselves into this little room at the Leon County Public Safety Complex out on Easterwood Drive, right down the street, you know, from the Red Cross and the Animal Services Center. Well, the purpose of all this was to mark the official start of the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season, mainly by urging everyone in the area to have a plan and preparations in place now and not wait until that dreaded daggum announcement comes out that the region is under a hurricane warning, which is when about, I guess, 75% of us go, oops, we better do something fast. And that may be too late. But what do those preparations look like? And are there resources that can help make that happen more easily and efficiently? Well, it turns out that there are. And to talk about those resources and also share some practical tips and hints along that line, we got a great panel of experts here with us today. And we're going to start off, of course, with no stranger to these microphones, Kevin Peters, director of Leon County Emergency Management and the guy who kind of he was the ringmaster of that whole thing yesterday, Kev. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us today, uh, Tom. It's, it's good to be here. And again, very timely, uh, second day of hurricane season, and we're already watching for the potential for development uh, in the southern Gulf of Mexico. So uh, if this radio show isn't a reminder, definitely the actual weather should be a reminder to get ready now. Boy, that's for sure, yeah, because Mark Wolf was here from the Tallahassee office of the National Weather Service, and he said, boy, and you know, it was a hurricane over in the Pacific. It moved across the uh, Mexico uh, area, and as soon as it gets out into the Gulf, you know, anything is possible. So we got to watch that. I also understand there's a disturbance somewhere out in the Caribbean that could pose a potential impact to maybe the East Coast. We'll have to watch that one too. But yeah, we're off and running, I'm, I'm afraid. Well, you, you may at some point, you know, have to call for an ambulance. And here's the guy that you would call and we'll give you his cell number in the course of the... Pro- no, we're not going to do that, but we will introduce uh, Chief Chad Abrams with Leon County EMS. Chad, good to see you, sir. Hey, you as well, Tom. Thanks for having us here. We appreciate the opportunity to have this preparedness message for everybody. Well, we're going to try to get as prepared as we possibly can within the next 50 minutes or so, Chad. And part of that preparation is also going to be trying to keep the lights on and all of the electrical and electronic resources functioning. And that falls to uh, Tony Guillen, who is City of Tallahassee Electric and Gas Utilities General Manager. Tony, your first time out here, man. Welcome. Good yeah. to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Tom. Uh, it, again, we've been uh, kind of preparing for this time of year, year-round, it seems like constantly talking to Kevin uh, even before this time and so I think we're we're well prepared and uh, hopefully we're helping to get our citizens ready so well, thanks for having us yeah and, and we'll we'll do everything we can to assist in that area there Tony but uh, sometimes you just don't know where to turn or who to call and when that happens you know you can forget about the old Ghostbusters theme just remember 211 because the executive director of 211 Big Bend is here with us as well and that is Tori Greer. Good to see you, Tori. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having us. Um, like just like you said, we want everyone to know two one one is a twenty four seven resource, and we're definitely part of the 
disaster response and preparedness infrastructure. So we're, we're excited to be here as well. Boy, we can remember, and, and Kevin, we're going back here several years on this, but when the big fear was that people had been without any kind of real threat from hurricanes in this area since, what, uh, a barely tropical storm by um, the name of Kate back in, in 1985, folks had gotten really complacent. There was almost no preparation. And then we had something called Hermine, and then we had something called Michael, and it, it doesn't seem as though people are quite as complacent as perhaps they used to be. Yeah, certainly we we have been through a very busy stretch, um, and you know, obviously we've had it here uh, in the Leon County, Big Bend area. Um, hurricanes have been very newsworthy across the Gulf, though, since our impacts, Louisiana over the last three hurricane seasons have had tremendous levels of impact. And I think that that's helped keep the message fresh in people's minds that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And those lessons and experiences of, of you know, having uh, some power outage and, and the heat and the, and the, the cleanup and the debris, it's, it's fresh in people's mind. They know that being ready is important. And, um, yeah, so – that's uh, that's one of the reasons why we uh, you know, keep on what we're doing with the disaster preparedness messaging and, and trying to you know get everything uh, fresh and, and keep it out there for the public. Well, during the course of this program, we want to talk about some of the both old and new resources that are available, both in hard copy form and also online to help po- folks get those preparations uh, in line. You mentioned uh, them yesterday, Kevin, and let's let's just put it out on the table right now, and we'll revisit it a little bit later. Later on with more information and detail of what's available. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, some context, you know, when I got with, uh, arrived with the county in 2006 in emergency management, we had one publication that was available. It was the old Hurricane Survival Guide. It was a a regional publication for, you know, all the counties around us and, you know, stay or go was what it was themed around. Um, Since then, we've we've improved our public outreach programs. Uh, We've we've consolidated everything now uh, with Leon County under the, uh, the website of leonready.com and uh, you can get everything from the disaster survival guide to sign up for emergency alerts uh, to request a a neighborhood presentation uh, and even find information about our our newest program Billy the Bucket uh, which we're really proud of because youth education is something that's that's been uh, absent in a lot of our programs so we're we're trying to span the full spectrum from 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 youth to to as old as you can be as an adult and and uh, put it all in one place so so families can work together to develop their disaster plan and stay ready, and not just for hurricane season, but for any disaster that, that could happen throughout the year. And I think it's, it's – I like the way it kind of ties into something that may be a little bit less uh, palatable to a lot of folks, which is, uh, you know, some of the people in the survivalist or prepper community, they, they always have something that's ready to go. If the worst happens, you just grab this backpack or – container that has all of the things that you need to survive and you take off. The bucket is kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, um, you know, backpacks are okay. Uh, we, we advocate for the disaster bucket. Uh, you know, it's got the, the sturdy handle. It's, it's a sturdy container. You can get a lot into to a disaster bucket. Uh, you know, if we were on TV, we could do a little demonstration, but but take my word for it. You can, you can pack a lot of supplies. Uh, the other key that, that Make sure that families realize is that one bucket isn't enough for a family. Every family member has unique needs, and every family member needs their own bucket. Have them in, in a place that's accessible. So whether you shelter in place in your home during a storm and you go to that safe room that's interior, away from all the windows and doors, 
uh, to, to ride out the storm. Or if you live in an area where you'll need to evacuate, uh, you can grab that bucket, hop in the car, and, and go to a safer location. Um, everybody needs the bucket and uh, keep them accessible and, and keep the materials fresh every year. Okay. And, and, and Tony Gian, I think the city has some similar resources, some online things off the TalGov.com city website that can help you in preparations for the storm too, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, if you go to TalGov.com, you can find our prep uh, uh, prep document. Um, yeah. Step helps. by step, I think. Yeah, they it's call a step-step it. step yeah. guide. Um, and then uh, our neighborhood affairs uh, group has also been going out in the community and doing uh, prep classes for community leaders so they can work with their neighborhoods. Uh, I believe there's one tonight uh, and then one maybe next week. Uh, if you go online, you can see when those when and where those are occurring. Yeah, because well. that's, that's where 99% of most of your resources are now residing, which is online, which Correct. is a great thing. It makes it much more accessible. But boy, I'll tell you, Tony, talking about preparations, we mentioned this out in the lobby before we came in here. The city of Tallahassee Electric Utilities and the, the whole crew in general have been really proactive about trying to mitigate the impact of falling trees on city power lines because being in the tree capital of the universe, that seems to be our major consideration when the storms come calling. Uh, yes, Tom, um, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the reasons I love living in Tallahassee is our, our trees. Um, over 50 percent of our of our uh, of Leon County and, and city of Tallahassee is covered by the tree canopy. And uh, we value that as uh, our citizens do. Uh, we value it as a city. Um, so we work really hard to make sure that we're managing that properly. Um, after Hermine, uh, we did make an adjustment. Um, we've gone to our enhanced tree trimming program. Uh, we used to trim back four to six feet. We now trim back six to eight feet. We've been methodically going around the system to get to that that distance. It takes a while to do it correctly and work with our with our neighborhoods and our citizens so we're not impacting them uh, adversely. Um, but it has helped uh, with our reliability. Um, and uh, again, we're looking to be hopefully be through the whole system by, by next year, but we'll continue to do do that work um, uh, to better enhance uh, the reliability for our, for our customers. Yeah, we all remember if you went through Ermine and, and certainly Michael, the impact yeah. of what high winds can do to an electric utility like the city of Tallahassee's. But with that cutback program, sure, we're going to lose some power, but hopefully it won't be as extensive as what we had seen here before then. Yeah, that's correct. We'll, we'll still see with the high winds and the amount of trees that we have, we'll see, unfortunately still see some power outages, but it will help uh, uh, mitigate that. Okay, heading towards a break, but uh, at first, let's ask you, if we could, Tori Greer, when all else fails, and maybe, I don't know, all you have is just a cell phone, and you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, talk about what 211 Big Ben does as far as providing that informational resource. 211 is a a three-digit number you can call anywhere in the state of Florida, and um, like you said, we provide information and resources. We collaborate closely with local emergency management to make sure we are maintaining those updated resources um, pertaining to disaster relief and, and um, information about comfort stations, evacuations, anything really, but also mental health support because we know that can be a very stressful, challenging time for people. And um, so in addition to being able to provide information, we're also able to help um, – help people with dealing with the stress of what may be occurring. Um, And we saw a lot of that after, um, during and after Hurricane Michael, we handled um, over 4,000 calls, which was uh, about triple what we normally see. And um, we could definitely um, help people with developing coping strategies for getting through 
getting through the disaster. So that's a, another piece of what we do. Disaster strategies and how to prepare for the storm before it gets to us. That's what we're talking about on this edition of Perspectives from WFSU Public Media. We'd love to hear from you. And I think we got some calls that are already starting to come in at 850-414-1234. And we'll be back in just a moment. Perspectives always available online at WFSU.org. We archive each show in its entirety, typically up within a day or so of when it appears on the radio. And before we go to the phones, we want to get an update on what happens if, oh my God, you need an ambulance or any kind of emergency medical service. Well, the people that you should talk to are the folks with Leon EMS and Chad Abrams. What is it like for you guys during a storm, like Ermine or Michael or that? Uh, you, you can't go out when the winds are howling and the trees are thrashing around and all that thing, but what happens? Yeah, it, and, you know, I think that's an important part of that preparedness strategy that uh, Kevin's group, the, the city and the county talk about. You've got to be prepared to take care of yourself and your family. Um, we typically see things that you know you don't think of like stinging bees and and other animals that get interrupted also are out there trying to figure out what's going on and so people have allergic reactions or they're working hard in their yard and they have chest pain or you know they don't really know how to use a chainsaw maybe they're okay to use one to cut a limb but not so much a tree that fell down and so those types of, of things but from the response perspective it takes a whole government approach to respond to a, a hurricane situation. And we have to rely on all of our partners, uh, public works, you know, law enforcement agencies, the fire department, um, and, and lots of other places, city utilities. I mean, we can't get into somewhere if there's power lines down and all those different pieces. So that coordination has to go on throughout the year so that we know who to deal with and how to get those things solved and be prepared to respond to those incidents when they occur. Well, you mentioned that it's not only us human beings that can sometimes get a little bit uh, bum-fuzzled and out of sorts when it comes to a storm, but uh, perhaps our pets can be likewise disrupted. And I think that's what Reed wants to talk about as we check back in with him. Hey, Mr. Mahoney, welcome to Perspectives. Good to hear from you again. Hello, Tom. Well, Reed, what uh, what would you like to chat about when it comes to hurricane preparedness and all that? Oh, buddy, when I when Michael came through, I didn't I didn't anticipate that Gaston County would be subject to a five hurricane, and so I stayed with my animals, which was a and, wise decision. But I I, I think and and they. Uh, I would have expected them to be crazy, but they hunkered down. My dogs were scared to death. I was scared to death. I don't want to go through that again, and I've added a horse to this. What do I do? Oh, good Lord. 
<laughs> well, I know that there usually, at least in Leon County, there is one Red Cross shelter that is animal friendly when it comes to like smaller household pets. But a horse that's a uh, Kevin, we help read out. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, a couple things uh, before we talk about the specifics, you know, uh, you know, hope Mr. Mahoney has, has heard uh, if he hasn't. Um, you know, Pet preparedness supplies are now part of the uh, the tax-free holiday for disaster preparedness. Uh, I have so, heard that. Okay, good. So I, I hope you've had the opportunity to uh, to pick up some extra supplies for your pets. Uh, certainly, uh, everybody should should you know they're, they're members of the family. Prepare for them just like you would any other human member of the family, and that tax holiday runs through June 10th. So that's uh, that's an important thing. Uh, in Leon County, um, you know we work with the Leon County Schools and the Red Cross to activate shelters uh, during the landfall of a hurricane. Um, with with partnership with Leon County's uh, Animal Control Division. Um, we, we have the capability that if people show up in any shelter, we can help accommodate um, their pets. We can't do horses. Um, you know, certain, certainly horse owners, uh, you know, it's a little more um, involved, you know, the horse trailers and such. Um, you know, working through the different, uh, the I think it's the Horsemen's Association here locally, um, through whoever you provide your veterinarian services, you may be able to find, uh, uh, you know, some resources through through those associations that can help. You know, maybe there are some, possibly some some wind uh, rated um, horse stables that, that you might be able to, to find. I don't know. I know a lot of people though that with right. horses, they have to act early, they have to trail them, and they have to get them, uh, you know, kind of out of the the high wind area. So, uh, being a horse owner, you probably have a, a little more preparedness work to take care of. But but those are really the the options right here for, for Leon County. Uh, as a Gadsden County resident, I would have to refer you for some more details. Contact your local emergency management office in Gadsden County. I appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. And Reed, I think that there was a lady, we talked to her, this was in the aftermath of Michael. Uh, that it's a horse rescue organization here in this area. And Somewhere north of town, and it, it's slipping my brain right now, which is not uncommon. But uh, I would recommend maybe <laughs> even even checking out with her because they went on just a prodigious rescue operation over in Bay and Gulf and other counties to try to round up some of the horses that kind of you know had just taken off taken when off. when Michael hit. Yeah, and maybe maybe she'd have some ideas too. I'll research that. Thank you very much. Great information, folks. Hey, thank you, Reed. Always a delight to hear from you there. But, uh, Talk to you soon, brother. All righty. You take care, Reed. Uh, 850-414-1234 if you have a hurricane story or you got a question about preparedness because that is, is the big thing right now. And whereas in so many areas of Florida, which are more coastal in nature, the idea is when the warning hits or even before that, you should be on the highway and headed away from that area. We have more of a shelter-in-place doctrine, it seems, here in, in Leon County and the city of Tallahassee, Kevin. Yeah, Tom, so kind of the rule of thumb is uh, hide from the wind, shelter-in-place, run f- from the water, evacuate from storm surge. Uh, that's, that, if you look at the st- statistics, um, the, the National Hurricane Center puts out some, some studies on, on impacts from storms and Deaths due to water-related issues, people that have didn't evacuate um, from the coast during storm surge events or, or people that were in low-lying or, or flood-prone areas, 
deaths from flooding and water events account for the most uh, highest percentage of deaths related directly related to hurricanes. Uh, winds are, are lower, uh, five only five to ten percent, but uh, storm surge accounts for forty nine percent of deaths and, and rainfall based flooding ca- accounts for nearly thirty percent of deaths, and that's a time period uh, of the latest study that I had available between nineteen sixty three to twenty twelve. Um, again, they, they still find that to be the case. So, so most of our evacuation planning, not just here in Florida, but uh, all along the Atlantic coast and the Gulf coast is based on getting people away from the coast, uh, getting people away from the storm surge, uh, getting inland at just miles makes a big difference. Uh, you know, uh, certainly if, with Hurricane Michael, good, good case and study, you know, the impacts here in Leon County, while dramatic, were still much less than what was, you know, seen in Jackson, Calhoun, uh, down to Gulf County, uh, particularly in Gulf and Bay, with the, the highest level impact, uh, mainly storm surge. Uh, but but certainly the first, you know, if you can just get, you know, what are we sixty miles from from Calhoun and, and and things like that, you know, sixty miles is is a big a big difference in in in, in how much wind impacts you saw. So uh, it just takes a little bit to get to a safe place, but you just have to have a good plan in place and know where you're going. Yeah, you mentioned the impact of, of wind, which even though significant here in Leon County was nowhere near what you actually saw down the coast. We went down at the one-year one year anniversary, actually, and did a remote perspectives from Mexico Beach with a great panel, the yep. mayor and the you know, local legislative delegation and all that. And I could not believe the, the hotel, that four-story hotel, the El Governor, yep. it looked like a refugee from Hiroshima. Yeah. It was totally blown out, and they had not begun the reconstruction yet. One year down the line. Well, and one more, one more stat, and this is an interesting one, and and you know this kind of gets to about you know it it doesn't matter the intensity of the storm, um, you know in this this same study um, of the deadliest storms, six of the ten deadliest storms uh, that the National Hurricane Center had up to that point. Um, Six of those ten were were category one or tropical storm. They were the uh, two of the weakest types on the scale. So it's not the category three, four, and fives that necessarily are the most deadliest. Oftentimes, it's the weakest storms because people underestimate the 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 potential for that that flooding or or you know some of these wind impacts. So every storm has to be taken serious. Um, it's not just the the major hurricanes. It's it's every level storm needs to be taken serious. Yeah, and not sustained winds. And Tony Gian, you can talk about this. You have these little, you know, microbursts that come down and can wreak havoc in, in a neighborhood, totally destroy a house. And yet right next door, it's like the wind barely blew. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, we'll we'll see pockets of uh, of damage uh, because, again, it's not the entire, it might be a week, what's considered a weak storm, but there's spots where where you get some significant damage. Also, sometimes when we get that significant amount of rain, even though it might be a, a weaker windstorm, it saturates the ground and the trees come come over easier. So instead of a tree breaking, entire trees trees come out and get uprooted. So we have to deal with that. So um, Kevin's right. We have to treat every storm, no, no matter the, the, the category, uh, with, with respect and, and be prepared uh, for for the impacts. Yeah, a, a lot of people putting emergency generators in their homes or, or places yeah. of business. And, and if they, you know, can you give us some safety hints on that? Because it seems, yeah. again, if you're dealing with heavy voltages, this may not be yeah. something for the uh, faint at heart or the uneducated, perhaps. Yeah, yeah thanks for that question, because that, that is significant. A lot of folks are using emergency generators, and they are they are good good to use. Obviously, it helps you get through and helps you with your family preparedness. Uh, but I would ask two things. One is, if you're having one, if you're getting one installed uh, that's directly hardwired to your house, use an electrician, get get the work inspected because uh, you want to make sure that it's installed correctly and that it's installed safely. 
Um, and then if you're using a portable generator, um, one of the key things is that you operate it uh, in a safe area. It's outside. Uh, you don't want the, the, the fumes. Uh, but also um, connect. You don't want to connect it like into your panel box, kind of kind of rig it or wired up. Um, you want to follow the, the instructions and then and then use it to power up specific things. And one of the key reasons there is not only for your safety but for for the safety of, of uh, the electric workers, because uh, those generators could feed back if things are connected back onto the system and actually. There'd be lines down uh, that are not energized, and a, a generator will energize that line and uh, create damage. So we, we tread lightly when we go out, listen for generators, test everything. We assume everything is energized, even though it seems it may not be, and that's one of the reasons why. Another reason also why we should not go out, uh, you know, scoping the neighborhood and doing sightseeing in the immediate right. aftermath of the storm. Yes. You know, oh, let's see how bad it was. And, you yes. know, anyway. Um, Tori, let's talk about, again, it's, it's not 211 Leon County. It's 211 Big Bend. You guys can take calls from a vast region. That's correct. We cover the 8-county Big Bend region. Um, and like I said, too, um, all 67 counties in Florida are covered by 211, um, but we cover the eight-county Big Bend. And one thing I didn't mention is uh, another reason it's really important for the community to keep 211 or, or our local number, 850-617-6333, in your phone is because we can um, take some of the pressure off of um, EMS, 911, local emergency management. Um, those non-emergency calls – um, really we're able to handle. And so that's another benefit of 211, especially during a disaster when there may be an increase in calls to 911 or emergency management. Some of those calls are often um, non-emergency calls. And so we're able to help um, fill in that that need as well. Um, so I wanted to also mention that um, as a benefit of, of keeping 211 in mind um, for disaster preparedness and, and during the disaster for any concerns that come up that we can be available. Chad Abrams, what kind of preparations does Leon EMS do in advance of a hurricane season and uh, particularly when you see that there may be a storm on the horizon? What do you guys do? Well, I, I think, Tom, I think that I can answer that broadly as well. Um, I think all of our governments and all of our departments have to be prepared for these events. And, you know, we need to do training to make sure that we're ready for, you know, how we're going to coordinate with our different partners, how we're going to get those responses set up. Also, plan out how we're going to do scheduling and staffing because that's another issue. You know, our, our members a lot of times work here. They live here, you know, and so they will typically have some impacts at some point. And so just having a plan of what we're going to do, how we're going to, you know, make sure that they're safe that they're able to get to calls and respond to uh, different incidents and and really also making sure that the community thinks about preparedness all the time. Like we're talking about hurricane season, but like Kevin mentioned earlier, there's other hazards that can cause an issue that you may need to be prepared for. And, um, you know, we, we have to be, as a response entity, ready all the time for any of those events that are no-notice events. And so this just helps us, you know, be better prepared when it's hurricane season that we're talking about versus, you know, some other a tornado event or something else that's, you know, that, that is similar for us, but um, the impact may be smaller. So I, I think that's our, our major uh, preparedness activities. We have long lists, as does every department in, you know, county, city, government of preparing for 
hurricane season and what we're going to do in different scenarios. So um, that's, I think, the biggest thing that we try to prepare for is just be ready. It was fun watching how Leon EMS responded recently to the disaster drill over Tallahassee Memorial, which was another one of these, you know, all hands on deck, who knows what's going to happen next, and people are pouring into the ER, uh, many of them with really uh, incredibly uh, gross makeup. Uh, (laughs) It was a mass shooting, I believe, was the scenario there. But you have the potential to go through something like that if you have you know, woe betide a Cat 5 that would suddenly draw down on us and you would have mass casualties of some kind. Yes. Yeah, and we we have to be prepared all the time, just just like, uh, you know, the rest of the government from the standpoint of all those no-notice events are possible things that could happen at any point in time. So, uh, again, hurricane season, we're hyper-focused on being prepared, and, and we know that one of the keys is making sure the community is prepared um, that helps us out a lot, uh, particularly when they, you know, it, it, we were talking about generators. I mean, it, we frequently, I left that out earlier, we were talking about this, but we frequently get calls after storms or an event where there's a large power outage because someone is operating a generator incorrectly and someone in their family becomes sick from the fumes or they're not operating, you know, any kind of a combustible engine device, power tool incorrectly and and people get sick from that. And and those can be very serious incidents and conditions um, that are very easily avoided if you just take the proper precautions and you prepare yourself for those things. So, um, you know, the the community being prepared is really important. It impacts us, it impacts our response, it impacts the healthcare system. Um, So that's an important part of what we do. Yeah, the best ambulance is the one you don't need. Absolutely. Yeah, Kevin, you wanted want to hop in there. Yeah, no, I was I was just um, uh, you know kind of on on that theme with the uh, the generators and the carbon monoxide uh, is is uh, that I heard a, a lecture from the uh, director of the Na- National Hurricane Center, Ken Graham, recently, and you know talking about some of these stats and what what hurts or kills people. More people in the last four years since 2017 have died from carbon monoxide poisoning in tropical events that we've seen in the last four hurricane seasons uh, than they actually died from storm surge. So so people are actually hearing that message about evacuate from storm surge, but it's this other piece, that safe operation of your your generators or other uh, uh, gas combustion engines, um, you know, doing that properly because that's now, um, we're seeing that to be more of a problem uh, in the post-disaster. You know, people are doing the right things before landfall got to keep continuing to do the right things after landfall. Uh, so one, one thing we'd also encourage, uh, if you don't have them, uh, in addition to your smoke detectors in your homes, carbon monoxide detectors uh, for the bedrooms in, in your homes, particularly if you've got a generator, uh, either hardwired, as, as Tony talked about, or, or you have a portable, you know, the, the gas-powered one, definitely a key uh, safety device you want to consider, which are also tax-free uh, during this tax-free holiday, smoke detectors, fire extinguishers and carbon monoxide detectors. And that tax-free sale continues through June 10th, as you said. So, yes, sir. Yeah, that's so head to the nearest store and load up because you won't have to pay a Florida or local sales tax on those items here. We're talking about storm preparedness here as we kick off the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season here on Perspectives, 850-414-1234. Give us a call if you'd like.
We are back on Perspectives talking about hurricane preparedness. And that has become a mantra. Uh, State of Florida, I think, oh, my gosh, it's been well over, oh, what, 20 years, I think, that um, emergency management. That was under uh, Craig Fugate. We remember him. And he geared up the have a plan uh, mantra mm-hmm. uh, from the state level. That is still in operation, but we now have a lot of local resources that are available uh, online, but also on hard copy, too, that are available. And we're going to go over those again uh, before the end of the program here in um, just a few minutes. But we do have the uh, head guy at uh, Leon County Emergency Management, who is Kevin Peters, along with Chief Chad Abrams of Leon County EMS, Tori Greer with 211 Big Band, and Tony Gee and City of Tallahassee Electric and Gas Utilities General Manager. Uh, one person that we wanted to have on was a representative of the insurance industry because when you are building your bucket, you should, as I, I remember I saw that yesterday, uh, I think it was, uh, what, uh, Sheriff McNeil grabbed a whole bunch of insurance policies and jammed them down in the bucket because that's a good thing to have, uh, particularly in this uncertain time of we really aren't super sure what happened during the recent special session that the legislature had to try to fix the uh, insurance problems here in the residential market here in Florida. So you better have your policy with you just to be safe, right? Yeah, certainly. uh, You know, have a conversation with your insurance agent now before you need to call them during the disaster. Uh, Have that information, the phone number for your insurance agent, your policy numbers for your home, for your car, uh, for your health insurance, life insurance copies of that stuff in your disaster bucket. And uh, that way, if, if for some reason you had to leave your home, whether you evacuated or you left after the storm because maybe you had some damage to your home and you're going to go stay in a hotel or something, if it's all in your house and you've left and getting back and forth isn't, isn't going to be helpful. So have them uh, copies of those documents in a, in a waterproof uh, Ziploc type container, keep it in your disaster bucket. Or uh, another option that, that I know that we've done is, uh, you know, some out-of-town or out-of-state family members might be willing to hold important document copies for you. We've got some family in Tennessee, and, and they're able to keep it in their, their fire safe in their home. So if, if uh, you know, while I'm working and my, my wife and, and kids have to go somewhere else to stay safe, uh, you know, I can't run home and find the document. So uh, they can call up there or they can get it out of our bucket or whatever they need to do. But certainly um, a key key piece of your your disaster supply kit is having those those photocopies of your important documents. Yeah, and and since just about every printer that we have hooked up to our computers now can make uh, you know scan copies yep. for you. That's that's kind of easy peasy oh, on, yeah. on that one there. I, Tony, can you talk about the restoration though? Once the storm has passed, and I know you guys always get all kinds of flack there that you know, uh, well, you know, Joe got his power back on because that he knows the mayor, you know, and you have to deal with those kinds of things. There is a a method to that madness of restoration, isn't there? Yeah, yes, there absolutely is, um, and it. It's, and it, and unfortunately, again, it it, uh, it impacts our citizens. So we understand their their, their issues and, and their concerns. But um, you know, and, and a lot of this is online as well, kind of explaining this to folks. But you know, we have to focus on really start off, make sure we have our generation available. Because if we can't generate power, it doesn't matter what what we've what we've done. So make sure that those resources are available, uh, and then be able to transmit that power. So the larger power power poles around town that connects all the substations together. We have to. Again, if you can't get that power flowing to those to be able to distribute it, so we have to focus on that. 
Um, and then we, then we kind of work our way out, um, focusing on, on a critical and emergency infrastructure. Uh, we work very closely with, uh, with Kevin and his team on identifying those, those locations so we've got them uh, identified and we know what that plan, and it's part of our, our response plan. Then we work out towards larger pockets. We want to try and get as many people back on as, as possible and then keep working our way out. Unfortunately, sometimes you get some folks will feel or, or see that they're kind of towards the end, and it's just kind of the way, the way things work out. The other thing I want to make sure folks are aware of is sometimes you'll be sitting in your neighborhood, sitting there for a couple of days, and you think nothing's going on, and, and we have to get that all those other resources fixed, some of those main lines fixed coming into neighborhoods before we can before we can get in a neighborhood. Fixing your the line on your street, if we can't get power flow into it, doesn't, doesn't do anything. So we have to start kind of working our resources around as, as best we can. And if things are really bad, you can call on other electric utilities to come and help out, and too. We, and we absolutely do. We, uh, we've got a very, very strong mutual aid network uh, with our statewide agency. We work with them directly, and they will pull resources from throughout the entire state and throughout the entire southeast. Um, and uh, and we've, we have the last several storms done that. Uh, we already participated in our um, uh, mutual aid uh, conference uh, a couple weeks ago uh, statewide, so meeting with all the other utilities. Because everyone's trying to be prepared in the same vein, we, we go ahead and respond. Uh, we've been lucky enough the last couple of years to not be as directly impacted, and we've gone out and provided mutual aid. It does two things. One is it keeps our guys sharp. Uh, we learn some best practices, uh, but it also, um, when we need help, uh, we don't have any he- hesitancy in, in folks providing help to us as well. So, um, But we, we definitely we, we have a plan now where we start staging some of those mutual aid crews prior to a storm coming in. Um, so that we're prepared and try and get, get that going as fast, as fast as possible. We obviously have to be mindful of their safety and, and bringing them in, uh, but we, we, uh, we work really hard to try and get that going so that as soon as things are clear, our guys are out there working, and, uh, and then we also get those mutual aid crews working as well. Tori Greer, does that extend also to the connections that you can make through 211 Big Bend with helpful agencies here in, in this town? If worse came to worse and a lot of things were shut down, would there be the capability of referring to other agencies maybe farther afield than what we have locally? So we do have a dedicated information and referral staff led by Jim Christie and um, resource specialists and that are tasked with staying in contact with agencies, making sure we keep those resources up to date, which ones are operational and, and any, um, any new resources that might become available um, and uh, whether that's legal support. Um, whether that's comfort stations, um, cooling stations, which I remember during Hurricane or, or during Hermine, that was that was important. Um, and so the other piece of what we do um, is we're documenting caller needs and unmet needs, and we're sharing those with our local government, local emergency management, and that can often inform um, where there are gaps in services. And I I think that's a critical piece as well. Um, and we've been really working on improving those systems at our agency to make sure that we can, you know, we can help um, every, you know, Kevin and this, uh, the rest of this group out um, as much as possible by documenting what we're seeing on our, our hotline, which is often a really good barometer for what the needs are in our community. Good, because I was thinking specifically as we attempt to become a more diverse community uh, demographically, 
we have more older folks who are now right. calling Tallahassee home than we did maybe 25, 30 years ago. And a lot of those folks, you know, they're not in assisted living. They are living independently and they have right. full lives and, you know, second chances, all that kind of thing. But boy, you get a storm in here and it, it cuts those folks off from the rest of the world. That can be a little bit more devastating than maybe some younger folks. And how do you deal with that? Right. Well, and the, again, that goes back to our counselors. If, if there's not a resources of resource available, we're documenting that and we're working with our partner agencies and local emergency management to make sure we can get help to those people who may be most vulnerable and don't have any other support available. I knew there was a reason elder care services was part of the news conference uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention they are one of our partner agencies as well. And so um, in that that situation, of course, we would reach out to Josie and see what we could do to, to, to help um, help those callers. Yeah, Josie Flicker, you have been name checked. Yes. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> but again, to pull all those resources together, because as, as you, you know, we'd all mentioned, Chad, it was a, a team effort that makes this happen here. As, as far as EMS is concerned, Concerned though, what what do you guys do as far as again during the recovery period? Because you could have far more calls there coming off of the storm than actually at the height when you can't get to them anyway. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 a lot of those things I think tie directly back to preparedness as well. Um, a number of the calls that we get, in addition to those emergencies we already talked about, um, are things like I have a medical condition, it's a chronic medical condition, and I'm on home oxygen. And what do I do when I run out? You know, my, my oxygen doesn't, you know, I plug it in and it works, but now I don't have power and I have a backup plan, but then how do I get that resupplied? And I think it's important for the community to check with their vendors about what is the plan and how are you going to provide me service and who do I call and how do I follow up on these things? Because Really, a lot of the calls that we deal with in the EOC, as well as through 911, are those very types of calls. And there's a there's a, a you know a wide variety of things that people rely on a medical device um, on a daily basis, and then they get to the point where they just can't. It doesn't operate anymore. It doesn't function. What do I do? They call for assistance. Um, that helps us a lot. If you know your vendor's plan, and each of the vendors has a plan, they're required to have you know, a, a set plan of how they're going to respond to those situations. Um, but sometimes, you know, you as the user, end user, don't think about that. Another good example is a child with asthma has, you know, a nebulizer at home and then they can't get it to work. Who do I call? Well, that, those calls often wind up with us because they just don't know who else to reach out to. Um, we respond and assist them. That's something you don't think of at the time when your doctor, you know, your your child's pediatrician says, here's this thing we want you to do, and it's no big deal. Um, but those are important. You know, having medications available is important. That's another call that we get frequently after storms. Um, I don't know how to get my medicine. I don't know where to go. You know, all those different things. You should have a, a plan for all that as well. And that helps us on the back end after the event to respond to those emergencies that occur uh, on top of it, because you're right, people still have heart attacks and strokes and all their other medical issues um, after a storm or during a storm. And uh, and so you have to be prepared. So to help us with that response, the more prepared the community is, particularly if you have a medical need, 
the better off we are as a community to be able to handle that response. Yeah, with medicines particularly, most pharmacies will allow you now to order like three months of medications, Mm -hmm. many types anyway, and to have those in stock so you have like an emergency backup supply during hurricane season just in case you don't want to get down, you know, during the storm and you've got nothing left. Right. Absolutely. And, And, you know, that's one of the things we recommend keeping in your disaster survival bucket. All right, a supply of medications. We recommend a week um, to have that available. You know, just because you don't know what's going to happen or where you're going to be able to get that medicine from if you need a refill. So um, that's important. Again, medical devices that you rely on. It's important to know if this fails or I have an issue with it. What's who do I call? How do I get a hold of that vendor? How are they going to respond to me? Um, because you wind up with a situation where you just have no other way to do anything but call us to, you know, because it's it's de-escalated to the point where you need help. Now. Right. <laughs> Folks, in the uh, few moments we have remaining, let's go over again the uh, availability of the different kinds of guides and resources, both printed and online, that are available to folks who want to get their preparations underway right now. If uh, they're hearing this and going, oh, this may be a good idea. So let's start with you, Kevin. What's the county got? Yeah. So um, if, if you're online, you can go to www.leonready.com. Uh, all of our county-based uh, disaster preparedness information is all um, laser point focused uh, to that website. You can uh, get your disaster survival guide, uh, learn how to build a bucket, uh, get emergency information from our uh, emergency information portal website, request a neighborhood training program, um, and sign up for the Leon County Citizens Connect app. Those are all of our, our uh, main resources for citizens to be prepared. Um, for printed materials, you can find those at Leon County Libraries uh, or community centers. Um, we'll have the disaster guides, uh, Billy Bucket coloring books, um, and build your bucket checklists available at those locations. Um, and again, you know, just can't uh, uh, overemphasize the importance of, of going to the website and, and reviewing and, and preparing and, and getting ready for, for hurricane season or a disaster that may happen any time of the year. Terrific. Okay, Tony Keen, what, what do we have here available from the city of Tallahassee? Yeah, so um, if folks would go to talgov.com, they could download our step-by-step prep guide. Uh, again, it, it has a lot of similar information uh, that, that the county's plan has. I would, I would urge uh, uh, our citizens to get both uh, so that they make sure they've got the, the best information available. Uh, and also go online and look up for our uh, prep classes. Again, I said we've got two more of those uh, coming up. Neighborhood Affairs is putting those on. Uh, and uh, and you can find out where those are located, and I would uh, suggest folks attend those as well. With the multiplicity of resources available through 211 Big Ben, Tory Greer, uh, do you have a listing online that, hey, here are all the people we can connect you with? We do. We um, If you go to 211bigben.org, we do have a searchable directory, but we also have um, a list of disaster resources, and we link to all of the resources that were mentioned. So we heavily promote those as well. So definitely check out check out our website, and you can also connect to some of these resources that were already mentioned. And it's always fun because if I don't know anyone else to call, I call you guys <laughs> and you can tell me. That's the yes. wonder yep. of 211 Big yep. Ben. And as far as Leon EMS, it's it's always fun to, just to see what you guys have available in the case of, uh, you know, when everything kind of heads south, Chad Abrams and you know, oh, my God, I think I need to call an ambulance and you guys are it. So, <laughs> Yes, sir. And, and, and again, those those resources are all important. Uh, being prepared helps us respond to the rest of the community. So 
you know, we just encourage you to go out there and take advantage of those resources and um, be prepared. You know, just even if it's nothing happens, it, it, it will help if something does happen. It only takes one of those storms to impact us, and you're going to be way ahead of the game if you're ready to go. And a little bit of insider baseball here, guys, if you don't mind. Uh, we at WFSU Public Media have also been in very uh, preparatory mode here for the past couple months, which includes not only making sure that our generator, the uh, the 4,000 horsepower monstrosity back behind the station is ready to carry the load in the event that commercial power goes out uh, during and after the storm. But also we've been beefing up our resources in the news department and getting the rest of our staff in a uh, supportive capability. So uh, when and if, and we hope it doesn't, but uh, in the eventuality that we do have a storm, we can remain on the air and talk to many of the folks that we have been chatting with today in regard to what is available as far as um, immediate help and recovery information, what roads are closed, where the water is over the sidewalks, so what trees are down. Um, we'll talk to Tony, find out you know how the restoration is going in various neighborhoods when it comes to power and other city utilities and try to keep you folks uh, just as well checked in to all of this information as we possibly can. So in that bucket, make sure, and there are still a few of them available, old-time radios that take batteries and you make sure that you got some batteries in there so you can keep it on 88.9 and our sister operations all over the big bend in the event that we do have a hurricane and we will remain on the air around the clock to keep you plugged into everything and we do have a place to sack out over at the public safety complex kevin so uh, at least a couple of our folks will be hanging with you guys yep, absolutely that's one of those uh, best practices we learned after hurricane hermine is is uh, a better source of uh, information on the fm dial if you were sitting in your car trying to recharge your mobile device to get back online. Uh, now, if you have to charge up in your car, turn it to 88.9. Or if you have one of those battery-powered or hand-cranked radios, tune to 88.9 during uh, the landfall and the days immediately after to get that latest information from uh, emergency management and the uh, the Florida Emergency Weather Network uh, broadcast with the latest weather updates. So all good stuff uh, available to our, our region. We're prepared. Are you? Kevin Peters, Chad Abrams, Tony Guillen, and Tori Greer, thank you all for being on Perspectives and uh, making us more aware of what we need to do in advance of the storm. And let's hope that we won't be talking too much more until the end of November. Thank you all for being a part of it today. Perspectives produced by WFSU, FM in Tallahassee. Technical assistance by Evan Rossi. I'm Tom Flanagan. Is it possible for absolutely horrible people to create amazingly beautiful art? Artworks. It's an interesting question. We'll have some answers from a Florida State University professor by the name of David Gussick. He'll be our guest next week on Perspectives from WFSU Public Media. Take care. <laughs>